here and everything. So it's, it's good to have you back. <laughs> Amen. We, uh, one thing at Harvest we love, we, we want to raise leaders. We want to pour ourselves into people that they begin to discover their passion, their dream, and be able to allow them to begin to serve and begin to lead. And so I just want to, we, we have several people that are stepping up into some new areas of leadership here at the church, and I just want you to be aware of that, know what they're doing, and we'll take a minute here before our Tim gives the announcements to, to pray over them. So i like our, our worship guys to come up here. Ben, come on up here too. Um, our worship team here is represented by uh, a team of core leaders, and uh, Ben Pitts says he's coming. Hey, Ben. And Seth Potter and then Danielle Remigio. Now, Danielle is the, the ministry director, the worship coordinator, the, the head honcho, uh, all of these things. And uh, we are thrilled to have them uh, leading and overseeing our worship ministry. And they've been doing a great job. And, and so uh, we just really appreciate them. I'd like to have, um, gee, I didn't. Yeah, so we figured Ben wasn't busy enough, uh, you know, being on our financial committee, being over our, all of our sound, heading up the young professional group. So he just had something else that he had a few hours to give toward. And other than sleep, so no. But Lindsay Dorico, come up here, honey. Lindsay uh, is uh, now overseeing our ministry director for our women's ministry. And uh, she's got a passion for it. Amen. <laughs> They're excited. Right? Wow. Where's Stephen at? Stephen, come up here, buddy. Stephen Anderson. Uh, I have been uh, praying because I, I've asked a number of people, but uh, God's been holding out for the for the right one. And Stephen is going to be our ministry director over our buildings and grounds here, and so we are extremely grateful for him doing that. Amen. And next week we'll double your salary, okay? Glory to God. Is uh is Jessica in here? Jessica uh Francovella? Where is she? Downstairs, okay. We'll have to get grab them another time. That's okay there. Well, I th- I think they were the kids, but won't you see if they could come out real quick, okay? <laughs> Bill and Jessica Francovilla were a part of our church for a very, very long time, uh, years ago. And I guess it was, what, four or five years ago, Bill got a job down in the Williamsburg area. So they moved down to the Williamsburg area, but they have since repented and they're, and they're coming back. <laughs> no, they, they, they did a great, God had a season for them to be down there and they are, they're actually downstairs helping with the children. And, uh, hey, Jessica, come on up here, honey. 
Jessica is representing the Francovilla family this morning. Jessica was actually on our staff here for a number of years and uh, uh, in an administrative position. And but her and her and Bill are going to be overseeing our life groups. And uh, Amen, church family. We're just giving more focus into the families of our church. And so we're really thrilled about that. I think I've got everybody that we're supposed to. Uh, the only one is out of town, but we will get him later. Thomas, who's over our ushers and greeters, is stepping on to our financial committee also. So uh, let's stand up. Let's have our pastors come up here. Just want to take a moment just to pray over these guys. Thank them. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for the calling that's upon each and every life that's in this entire room. Father, we thank you, God. We are all called to serve. We're all called, Lord God, to lead in some way. Father, I thank you, Lord, for placing these that are standing up here today into needed places of service here in the church. We thank you, God, that you have gifted them, equipped them. God, you have anointed them, Father, to be able to do all that they need to do. Now, Father, I pray in each area that they are overseeing and involved in, that, God, that you would raise up people around them to God to serve with them. God, people, more people in the worship team, Father. Father, we thank you, God, for those that just have a heart for women. Father, it will come alongside Lindsay and just walk with her. Those, Lord God, they love to put their hands to things, love to fix things, build things. God will just say, Stephen, I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. And, Father, those that, Lord God, love community, Father, they love the family, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for raising up individuals in this body that will say, listen, I'll lead a group. I'll lead a community group. Father, I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that, God, we're not in this alone. Lord, we thank you, Father, for the, for the beauty of doing life together. And, Lord, I just thank you so much for, that you would honor these this morning, Lord, as they, they are stepping in and have stepped in, God, to, to areas of responsibility. God, I thank you, Lord, that your, your ability is upon them to grace them, to help them in all that they do. And we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Once again, I will just give you some quick updates in local harvest news, okay? So if you got one of these, a lot of what we share up here as far as announcements will be in them. So we highly encourage you grab one as you come in. Uh, Main emphasis on our announcements is our Harvest Family Day. And so... On the Sunday of August 21st, all of our students come in, and Franklin is just slammed with cars and people and kids, and so we can't get down here. And so what we typically do is we have a time where we get away from downtown, and we celebrate somewhere else and have church somewhere else. And so this year, John and Jill Gross invited us to come over to their place, awesome place, 
Thank you so much, John and Jill. We love you guys. Love spending time with you. We thank you for Jesus in you. And so what's happening is we're having church there. So just like you would show up here at 10 a.m. for church, on August the 21st, everyone's showing up at John and Jill's house. And so we're having church there. We're having baptism there. We're having a pool there. We're having fun there, and we're having the word Jesus testimony, so highly encourage it. This is a good time to get outside of the walls, and you get to talk to people a little more. You get to shake hands and hugs and have fun, and we kick the ball around and Frisbee after. It's going to be great, okay? So uh, several things. We love clipboards here at Harvest, so we can get your name and your email and uh, know if you're coming or not. So there's three things on here. Number one is how many people are coming if you're coming. Secondly... If you're getting baptized, we've been getting people signed up. If you've not been baptized, we're inviting you to come get baptized. Amen? Jesus thought it was important. We think it's important. And then thirdly, uh, we're, we're asking for testimonies. We love testimonies. We love to hear what God has done in your life, what he's doing in your life. Highly encouraged for some of you guys to sign up. Good opportunity to stand up and testify to the goodness of the Lord in your life. Okay? And so that doesn't necessarily mean something happening now. We prefer that. But maybe God did something for you two years ago, and you've never had a chance to stand up in front of the family and share. This is an opportunity to do that, okay? So this will be going out now. Thank you. I practiced. Okay, and then uh, just to throw in, Ben Pitts was standing up here. As Pastor Doug said, they do... Uh, young professionals, and they're meeting tonight. So if you're a young professional and you have questions or you want to know anything about it, talk to that guy, okay? Cool, because he doesn't have enough to do as it is. Okay, really quick, I'm going to transition to tithe and offering, okay? We love, we love giving to heaven. We love giving to the Lord. He's given us so much. And so as I was, uh, as I was laying there this morning meditating, asking the Lord, okay, what, what to share and... Um, you know, I was thinking about taxes, right? I was thinking about taxes, and I typically don't think about taxes, but uh, I believe this was just an idea from the Lord. And so in thinking about taxes, um, most of us pay taxes in here, and the reason we do, now follow me, the reason we do is because it's the law, because we have to. And so if you're familiar with tithe, uh, for those of you who don't know what that word means, uh, the tithe is where the Lord in the Old Testament asked for his people to give a tenth of everything they had, whether it was the fruits, where it was their flocks. And so for you and I, it's the same. And, and so, but the, th the thing that has changed is under the old covenant, before Jesus came, tithing was the law. You had to give 10%. The reason I bring up taxes is most of us tax because it's the law. And I dare say most of us aren't so thankful that we have paved roads and aren't so thankful that we can give into schools and into police precincts, although that's where the money goes. That's not why you give tax, right? You do it because you're afraid to get in trouble with the government. And that was the way tithing was and giving was under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant before Jesus. Now, though, as God, out of his generosity, has given his son, given us everything, now he says, I ask you for the same. And so the reason we give into the kingdom, the reason we give our tithe is out of a heart of generosity and out of love. Our motivation is love. It's not fear. We're not afraid that God's going to get us like Uncle Sam. 
No, we, we're so thankful to what he's done for us. Everything belongs to you anyway. Amen? So our motivation this morning, God says, listen, I love a cheerful giver. And so that's, that's what we want to do. That's the kind of people we want to be. Amen? So let me just pray over the offering. Father, we thank you that this morning we have an opportunity to give. We thank you, Father. We don't give out of obligation. We don't give because we have to. We, be, we give because we want to, because we love you. And so, Father, we ask, would you receive our tithe? Would you receive our offering this morning as we give in gladness and thanksgiving? We thank you so much for who you are in our lives. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you everything that we have belongs to you, Abba. And so we bless you, and we just sow, Father, into this house and into your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Ushers. And without further ado, I invite brother, pastor, teacher, evangelist, anointed man and woman of God, Pastor Rifle and Tiffany Skitta. Come on, give him a hand. Good morning, everybody. Right. If you were not here last week, we were doing a two-week testimony of the miracle of the green car that God had made available for Tiffany and I. So last week was week one, and today will be week two. Much better, my love, there, sitting and looking very relaxed. I was very nervous last week, Tiffany, standing there. Just, I'm like, please, just sit down or talk, do something. So that's great. Okay, so we got... Only 45 minutes, so we want to put as much as we can into this. Um, yesterday was the, the induction into the Hall of Fame of the NFL. So Brett Favre of the Green Bay Packers was inducted into the Hall of Fame. But please listen to this. I'm going somewhere with this. So Brett Favre holds so many records. Whether you liked him or didn't like him, his stats speak for themselves. He was an amazing player, did wrong, did good. But at the end of his football career, he had 37 minutes and some seconds to sum up 20 years of NFL football life. All his highs, all his lows, starting 321 games, starting every 321 games. To put that into 37 minutes is practically impossible. And it's the same for Tiffany and I. What God has done for us to come to the end of how we got this green card, to stand up here in two Sundays and tell you, is practically impossible. And in the 37 minutes that he had... He could speak a little bit about the highs, but he couldn't tell you all the lows. He couldn't tell you all the difficulties. He couldn't tell you about running on the field with broken bones. Before the game started, telling people to inject me, numb this thing. There's too much pain. I can't play in this. Kill it. Put an injection in here so that I can't feel it. All the danger, all the puking behind training, all the gym, all the effort that went in. He can't relay that. And Tiffany and I can't relay everything that God had done for us to get this green card either. So we're going to do the best that we have in, in 40 minutes. 
So a little bit of last week, you know, people came and they said, man, that was amazing, that's so great, it's wonderful, and it is. But we just spoke about the phenomenal good things that occurred. We didn't say a couple of the bad things or things that we went through that people do not necessarily know about. And today I just want to share, we want to share just a little bit about that as well, to just bring a bit of a balance. Because like I said last week, don't take our revelation and make it yours. Okay, I'm leaving my job tomorrow. I'm quitting. God's going to look after me. Don't do that unless God has told you to do it. So that's what God told us to do, and that's why it's working. But just a couple of behind-the-scenes things we want to mention today. And Last week, we mentioned just a lot of people that did so much. But Greg and Nicole sitting over there, without them, this would not have been possible. You know, when God spoke to us to come to America... Um, we didn't first tell, well, God first spoke to me. I had to first relay that message to Tiffany. And I had to tell God, if you want Tiffany to leave her, her people, her land, her culture, her country, her food, her job, her everything, leave her mom, you have to deal with her because there's no ways that I can tell her to leave all of that and go to a place she does not know one single human being. Go to a place where she does not speak that language. Where that culture is foreign to her. To leave absolutely everything she knows. To go to a place and a people that she has no clue about. You have to do it. So God had to deal with her about that. So when we phoned Nicole and Greg... I remember it so clearly. I said to my sister, this is now 2010, probably about October. I said to her, listen, yeah, I call her Nix. I said, Nix, we're going to come. Tiffany and I are coming to America. God told us to come to America. We're going to do it. She's, praise God. Yes, that's wonderful. You know, we're a citizen now. We can start applying probably in about five or ten years. We can have this done. I said, no, 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 no. You better set a table at your cooking meal because Christmas we will be sitting next to you at your table in it. This is October of 2010. I'm telling her to set a table December 2010. She's thinking five years, ten years in the natural. Yes, we can do it. Because you see, the thing was in 2010, Tiffany and I had been meditating on the promise and the word of God for since 2005 already. So we had five years of prayer, meditation, word, where she gets a phone call and says, okay, this is going to happen. So her words were very wisely, I don't have faith for that. I can't, you just tell me what you believe and I will agree with whatever you say. But I don't have faith now in the natural to believe that you are going to come and you are going to be here in two months time, leave everything and you're going to be in America. So I'll agree with whatever you say. So praise God, that's how it happened. I mean, Greg is a very quiet, family kind of guy, not the party animal my sister is, which I fully understand. So I mean, for them to open their house, they got three kids in nappies, diapers, at this stage. Three kids. So now we arrive. So now there's five people. My mom and dad are visiting. That's seven so, I mean, they had to change their whole life. 
They kicked Joshua out of his bedroom, put him in the, in the hallway. He was sleeping there at night. He didn't have a room anymore. And they gave his room to us. So just, you know, God tells you to go as impossible as it seems when God gives you a dream and tell you it's not all just going to be, wow, this is just so easy. This is just, we're just going to go and it's just going to happen. There's going to be no resistance. Everything is going to be wonderful. So they had to change their whole lives for us to be able to stand here today and tell you about the goodness of God. So we are so grateful for you guys. Thank you for all of that. Thank you, Greg. Because when someone had to come and see us, man, they came and Greg had to open their house. Just people in and people out all the time. And, you know, it was just mayhem. But they allowed it. So we thank you so much. And then just for Wayman, who's not here, Wayman and Barbara today just spending time with their son Sam at home. Wayman literally drove to Tennessee to speak to the lawyers who are handling our case, to go and speak to them, because they kept on saying, it's not going to happen, you're not going to get the green card, there's not enough time. So he drove down there, went to the offices, sat across the table from the lawyers asking them, what do we do now? What's the best way? So, I mean, hours and hours that Wayman spent of his own time just to deal with us. So we, we are just so grateful for everyone. So we just want to talk a little bit about this, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, if that's okay, because, you know, Jesus said, as great as I am, as great as my kingdom is, John sixteen thirty three. in this world, you will have trouble. That's not a fearful, that's not a scary statement, it's the truth. But he didn't stop there, he said, but... Even though there is trouble, even though there is difficulty, even though there is heartache, I have overcome the world. And you can have joy no matter how difficult and hard things are. So that's what we want to talk about today. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and um, after we arrived, um, two days later, I found out where I was pregnant. So, um, you know, like Rifle just said, we're living with Nicole, and it's wonderful, you know, stay with the family, but, you know, when the time is getting, you know, my stomach getting big, and Nathan is about, you know, ready to come, so we have to leave. So, very wonderful thing is um, a couple from our church, they are not here anymore. They um, opened their house for us, and they gave us two rooms. So we can have our own room, and Nathan can have his own room too. So Nathan was, <clears throat> Nathan was born in their house. And you know, they treat us like, like really family. Um, so we're living with them probably for 10 months. And that time, um, the husband tells us their son is going to move back here. So it's time for us to, to leave the house. So that time, I was thinking, where are we going to go? Who, whoever's going to open a house for us now? So I remember Morgan, she uh, introduced me one um, Taiwanese lady. So I was talking to that Taiwanese lady. So we were chatting, you know, she said, how are you doing? Um, so I just say to her, I say, um, we're looking for the house now. So she said, oh, why you need to look for the house? So I explained to her. So she said, you know what? We go back to Taiwan every year for three months. 
So it's May now. So we we only be back on August. Why don't you guys come stay in our house while we we're not in the house? I say, you you are you serious? She say, yes, I'm very serious. So I say, I we need to pay you rent. I don't want to live there for for free. So she said, no, no, just when we when you when we come back, just give us the the water, electricity bill, just cover that. That will be fine. I say, okay. So we, I said we, I think we moved in two days before Mother's Day. So we just put all our stuff in the lounge. So was just house is packed because they only let they have their own stuff in the house, and we have two rooms. Everything was, you know, we're living in with the suitcase. We can say that, right? Yeah, we're living out of suitcase. So in that time. Why we living with the people? Sometimes it's not. You you really want to have your own house, your own space. Sometimes I feel like okay, I'm I have enough. I have to just go into the room and close the door and then be myself. I can scream. I can do whatever I want in the house. Nobody's gonna see it. So it's not always gonna be. Wow, your testimony was so wonderful. You just go so smoothly. Everything just smoothly. But you know, in that process, still something you have to deal with yourself. And after that, I was before we moved out the couple from our church their house. I just one day I just you know cry and I just pray to God. I say, God, I really, I really want my own house. I won't have my own house. I can do whatever I want in my house, and I can enjoy my family. Just, just me and my family. So I just, I said, God, I'm praying to you now. I will move into our house on my birthday. So that was, that was. I think that was April. My birthday is July. So I said, I will, I will move in our house in. Before my birthday, and I will celebrate my birthday there with all my friends and families. So then I left that. So um, after probably beginning of July, you know, we have a lot of friends there, you know, helping us to to looking for the house, to find a house, and a couple. Just bring us all over to see the house, and in the end, we f- we find the house, and then we move in, probably a week before my birthday. And then that night, I just crying and praying. I just thank God, God, thank you so much, and I just say. I think nobody ever asked you for birthday present, and I think this is the best birthday present I ever got. <laughs> so we in this house since 2012, July 26, as I remember right. Yes, since then we're still living in the house, and the house is just so wonderful, and so much memory from there. When Nathan was that small, and now is here, so so many things happen in the house, and then we just. So thankful for every single person, you know, was helping us through this process, through this such, you know, the what's that? <laughs> All the ways, yes. <laughs> Now your turn. 
Oh, okay. <clears throat> so after we got married, probably after one one year after, he doesn't want his baby from the beginning. I don't know why. So, so but always was my desire to be a mom when I was little child. I don't know. Maybe I really like. I really like kids. So, um, we. We were pregnant, 2007. Yeah, around April, and it was just so exciting when you know you were pregnant. And we went to we went to the doctor. That doctor was from my church in Taiwan. So, so she 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 rejoiced with me. She was so exciting, and then she you know she tried to do the ultrasound. She said, "Hmm, it's really small. I cannot see anything." I said, "Oh, okay," but she said. Are you sure you're pregnant? I said yes. I do the test, and my period didn't come, so I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm pregnant. So, and finally, she said the due date was close to his birthday. I said, oh, that would be special. And then um, we went back. She said, come back two weeks later, so she, you can hear the heartbeat. So we went back two weeks later, and then she checked and checked. She said,、um, I can see something's wrong. So she said, I cannot find the heartbeat. I say, do you want to check again? She said, yes, I will check again. So she check again, and she said, I'm I'm really sorry to tell you, I think this pregnancy is not success. So、um, you have to remove whatever inside as soon as possible. So then we we say, okay, thank you so much. You know, she pray with us, and I say, thank you so much, and we went home. Now you can continue. <laughs> okay, so. They say, you know, the baby. Some sometimes things happen. We got a picture, the ultrasound. So I was like, okay, Sunday we're gonna, because they want to now clean, you know, Tiffany from the inside to get everything out. So I say, no, we're gonna pray, and God's gonna raise that baby. God's the giver of life. This is not him. This is not his will. We're gonna pray. So needless to say, we went home. We prayed. We prayed. We prayed. Nothing happened. So we went home and we took communion. We took out the grape juice and the bread, and we just praise God. And we just praised him that he has changed the eye that we look through. Because you see, in times past, we would have said, "Where are you, God? Why are you not here? Why did you, Tiffany, so badly? We so badly want children, and why did you allow this to happen? Where are you? Doesn't your word say?" But there's a very, very important verse that we really need to pay attention to in John ten ten, where Jesus comes. He himself says that the thief comes not, but to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life. And if you can't separate those two, a while ago we had Lindy Ann here from South Africa. She spoke about the same verse after people walked into her dad's house and murdered him in South Africa. You have to know who the thief is, and you have to know who God is. And too often people blame God for the work of the thief. We can't do that. God is good.、Amen. Why did it happen? I do not know. I still do not have the answer. But that doesn't take away from His goodness. So we just went home. We took the communion elements, and we just praised God, and we just said, "Thank you that you're the giver of life. Thank you that you said that we need to multiply, that we should have kids. This is your destiny for us. This is your desire. And at the right time, we will have kids. And we praise you for when that time comes, that it will happen."
But for now, we choose to say that you're a good God. And we love you. And thank you so much for the plans and the purposes that you have for us. And like Tiffany said, the day after we arrived, you know, we found out we were pregnant. Amazing. Was not really planning on it, just packing and had some time during the packing. And, you know, <laughs> so then Nathan, Nathan is here. Nathan came. And Nathan yesterday celebrated his fifth birthday. And right now, as I'm standing here, we have been trying for three years to get pregnant again. Why? I don't know. But God is good. And you stand, and after you've done everything to stand, you stand some more. Stand in what? In his goodness, in his faithfulness. He can't deny himself. He's a faithful, good God. So God is good, and we have to know that when something happens that is not life, life abundantly, it's not him. Because we grow up in the church with these phrases, well, you know, that's a blessing in disguise. It's not a blessing in disguise. It's either good or bad. It's either God or the enemy. See, what, what refers to that phrase is that God can take something that was meant for evil, and he can turn that around for good. It's not a blessing in disguise. I look here at Artem. I look at Dre. I look at all the people. If you are part of Artem and Dre's entourage today, would you just raise your hand, please? If you are here because of these two guys, can you just look, look at the hands? Look here. Look here. See all these people? And it's not, well, you doing all this stuff, that was a blessing in disguise. No, God took a mess and he made something marvelous of it. But we can't blame God for things that don't happen the way we think they should because God is never wrong. And the quicker we can settle that in our minds, the quicker life will work. You know, I spoke last week about we, we sowing everything in Taiwan. And in America, we have received, people have given us three cars. Just given us three cars. So at one stage, the first car I told you about where the guy said, listen, I'm driving your car. So he gave us that car. While after that, somebody came to us and said the Lord told them to give us a truck. It was an amazing truck. It's a crew cab, so it's got the two seats in front for Tiffany and I, one in the back for Nathan and all his toys. It's a four-by-four. It's got leather seats. It's phenomenal. And the Lord told this person to give this truck to us. So praise God. I'm driving three years ago now. One Monday afternoon, I'm driving to the healing rooms. Coming down Monument Avenue, beautiful day. I'm driving speed limit as I usually do. And I'm praising God. I'm just, thank you, Lord, that I can go to the healing rooms. Thank you that I'm healed. MS, shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, I'm driving in this beautiful truck. You're amazing. Thank you, thank you. And while I'm busy praising him and driving down, out of the left side of my eye, I just see something is wrong. And as I drive, the next minute I realize a lady came from the other two lanes of Monument Avenue, shot over thinking she was going to just go over and did not see me. Now, how you do not see a huge 4 by 4 truck <laughs> 3 o'clock in the afternoon in the summer on Monument Avenue, I do not know. I really don't. I'm not being facetious. It was an accident. So this lady rammed into me and hit my truck. I went 
over this, the sign that says Strawberry Street. I drove, plowed straight through that, the lamp where the light is for the street. I went straight through that and hit a tree, and the truck landed against the wall. I nearly killed someone. There was a guy standing as far as Artem is from me when all the dust settled like this from us. And he turned around and he came to me and he said, are you okay? I said to him, you're asking me if I'm okay? I said, I should have killed you. Your back would have snapped like a twig if I had hit you now. You better thank God. He's like, whatever. And he turned around. Yeah. Turned around, not joking, he's like, whatever, God, you're God, whatever. Ridiculous, whatever, God. And he walked into the house. So here I am, that's three years ago. That truck was a write-off. It's gone. When the people came and the insurance people came and they said, man, this truck is finished, we got to... I was like, man, we can pray for this, we can fix this, please do not... <laughs> they were, no, you can't, it's bent, this is wrong, you know, take it to the... So after that, we didn't have a car at all. There was no, we didn't have another, because the other car that we got, we sowed. So all we had was a truck. Now the truck is gone. So now we are without car again. And I got to go places. Tiffany's got to do things. So there were a couple of months where we were, man, Jan and Talita gave us their car. Nicole and them gave us their, we were borrowing and taking cars. But it's not like nothing ever happened. So now the question is, okay, Rifle, where was God? You are driving to the healing rooms to pray for other people and someone drives into your truck. Where's God? God was there because someone could have been killed. What could have been a tragedy ended up to just be a truck. That's all it was. It was a truck. Nothing else. It could have been so much worse. Where was God? Standing between me and that guy without him knowing it. God is good. Because now I can, where did I open a door? Why is God? My sin, why, where? I was on the way to healing rooms just praising him and this happened. You see, sometimes things happen that we don't count on happening. But you can't judge God and his love by that. You can't judge where is God because I should have been, that was my truck, it was a gift of God. Nobody died. That's where God was. And until you and I can't get to that place, Things that happen on the outside and through us and all, you know, happening in everyday lives is going to have such a power on us to try and pull us away from the goodness of God. And we can't allow that because God is good all the time. He always has a plan. He's always working. So for three years, we've been sowing and calling and believing and we still don't have our next truck. Why? I don't know, but God is good. We got a little Toyota with nearly 300,000 miles on, and it goes like a Boeing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a phenomenal car. So you can't look at things that happen because God is good all the time. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about the prison ministry, how that happened. Because in Taiwan, what happened was I one day went with another Christian to a prison in Taiwan. And uh, this guy said, why don't you come in and talk to the prisoners? I said, that would be amazing. So we went in. As we got to the doors, now I'm just going with this guy, you know, so they let him in and they say to me, where's your card? I'm what card? Long story short, I don't have security, I don't have a pass. This guy says to me, I, you know, I thought they would just let you in because you're a foreigner. <laughs> what in the world? 
So in any case, so now I want to start going and doing prison ministry, and I apply, and I don't have the right papers. I can't get into prison to do prison ministry. So I'm sitting at the table of a friend of mine who was, he was in a coma for six years. He was in a scooter accident, and uh, for six years he was in a coma, and he went to be with the Lord. But I'm sitting at his house, and another guy came to pray for him, and we're just talking, and he says, you know what, I'm leaving, I'm going back to South Africa next Friday. I've never met this guy, I'm just praying for Mark. And he's sitting at the table, and he says, I'm, I'm going to South Africa do you know how difficult it is to find someone who wants to go into the prisons and pray for people? I'm thinking, what do you mean? He says, I, I'm a prison minister. That's what I do. I go into prison. I need someone to take my place. I'm leaving on Friday. This is Friday. I'm leaving a week from today, and there's no one that wants to go into prison and preach to these people. Ding! I'm like, thank you, Jesus. So I could take his place. You know, got his card. So that's how my prison ministry started in Taiwan. It was God 100%. So when we came to America, like I said last week, God said that we will go to Oregon. So we're just thinking, I mean, this is, we're coming to America. We don't know that we are pregnant. We're going to come and visit Nicole and Greg and the family for a while. And then God's moving us to Oregon. How's he going to do it? I have no idea. But he's going to do it. If he got us a visa... To get to America, he's going to do everything to get to Oregon. That's not a problem. That's another thing about the visa. When, when I applied for my visa, Tiffany's not a problem, but when I applied for my visa and I wrote on that paper, criminal record, being arrested by the police, being deported from the country, if we think about the things in the natural and we go according to the things in the natural, then many things that God tells us to do is not going to work. And too many of us dwell on the natural. When God, John 6, 63 says, Jesus says, my word to you is spirit and it is life. Okay, so when Jesus speaks, it's a spiritual power that brings life. And that is completely separate from the natural and what people or governments or law says in the natural. So when God said, right, apply now, go to America, and I write on my form that I take to apply for the visa, I have a criminal record, been arrested by the police, don't have money, I write all of that. What do you think everybody who heard what we wrote down said to us? You crazy is very lightly put, yes. <laughs> but we knew that we knew that we knew that God spoke. Now if I, while filling in that form, had my mind on my past, and if I was worried about, well, what, what if they, what if, you know, they're definitely going to ask me about that. They're definitely not going to give me a visa to come to America because I have a criminal record. They're not going. If I had that in my mind, because the Bible says in Hebrews, it talks about that the, the blood sacrifice of Jesus should cleanse you and I. Even our conscience yes. should be cleansed from sin. That your conscience could not even be marred or messed up because of sin. And so many 
of God's dear, precious children are talking about, are worried about, are caught up in the sin that they used to do, or what they walked in, where now all things have become new. So when I repented, because you see that's a big thing in this is repentance, true repentance. When I turned away from the lifestyle that I was living, now the Bible says I'm washed by the blood, I'm clean. So all my drug use, the woman, the clubs, the everything that I did illegal, it doesn't exist in the books of God anymore. It's not there. So when I fill in the form to go and apply for the visa and I write on the paper, yes, I have a criminal record, the police arrested me, what I'm writing in the natural does not exist in the spirit. So now when I go and I speak to the people and they look in the natural, who knows a spiritual realm is more powerful and greater than the natural. So now the spiritual realm, through the angels, through God, however he wants to do it, I do not know. There are so many things, people, that I do not know. There's so many questions that I do not have the answer to. But God is God. God is all-powerful, but he doesn't have all authority. God is all-powerful, but he doesn't have all authority. You see, he by his stripes has healed you and I. But if you and I choose not to be healed, he's not going to force his authority of healing upon us and heal us. If you don't want to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, paid the price, washed with his blood all your sins away, if you do not want to believe that, he's not coming down to smack you behind the head, to take the authority of the cross and force it on you. So he doesn't have all authority, yet he does have all power. So when he says, go and be honest, be truthful, don't lie, write down everything that they want there, and when you go, I will take care of what needs to be taken care of. But if I for one second allowed my past and my sin to influence my thinking when I'm filling in the forms, how is this going to happen? We would not be here today. And we need to get over our past and our sins and we need to repent, be truthful and honest and walk away from that in the light. Because then we allow him to do what he wants to do. So we can't walk around with anger and bitterness and offense and all of these things. That's not allowed in this kingdom because the kingdom doesn't work by those principles. So when we came to America, after all of these amazing things happened, I remember saying to Tiffany, this is going to be marvelous. So we're going to Oregon. So here we come, bam, we're pregnant. It's great, but we don't have any money. We don't have insurance. We don't have medical. We got nothing, and we're pregnant. How are we going to get to Oregon? I mean, where, where is Oregon? I have no idea. Where, <laughs> just, is it far? Can we just hike? Can we, you know? So my sister and them open their house for open and say, stay with us until you know where you're going, until you know what's happening. So long, long story short, I say to Tiffany, listen, okay, we'll go to church for a while. This church, don't say anything. Don't speak to anybody. Just keep quiet. Warm a couple of pews for a month or two. Just sing the songs, and then we're going to Oregon. 
So that didn't happen. So after a while, Pastor Doug calls me and he says, man, we would love for you if you would want to be on staff here. I'm oh, okay, that sounds nice. So he says, there's just one thing. We, at this stage, we, we don't have money. We can't pay you. I'm like, oh, yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Pastor. So Pastor Doug says, but I used to do the same. I used to raise my own funds. So I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not going to ask people to give money so that I can stay here and work for Jesus. Can you please give me money so I can work for Jesus? Please. I'm not going to do that. That's just not me. I don't ask for money. So I go home and I pray and I'm like, Lord, thank you that this is not your will. I know that you don't want us here. You want us to go to Oregon. And it's just something here is not right. So, okay, I'll come back to this tomorrow. Go out, pray the next day. Thank you, Lord, that you want us in Oregon. This is not something here is. And you know when something in here is not, you can't run from that. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, God, what is it? So the Lord just says, this is your place for now. Oregon will happen, but you stay in Richmond. You sow your roots here. You pretend that you're not going anywhere. You give your life here, and I'll provide for you. Okay. Because <laughs> the book of Isaiah says, come, let us reason together, which I did, but he didn't want to listen. <laughs> so I was reasoning by myself. So in any case, that's how the prison ministry started, the hand of God. Because when we applied for the visas, the government said you have to make so much money if you've got a child and you live in the city of Richmond, this much has to come in every month. So then we said we've got to do something so that this money can come in. And one day Nicole and Talia were at the gym on the treadmill running and Talia was saying, I've got a friend who does prison ministry and she needs help. So Nicole said, well, my brother used to do prison ministry in Taiwan. Let me set you up with him and you can chat. That's how Rhema intervention started, was a little conversation between two sisters on the treadmill. God is everywhere, people. He, you, you can't move away from an area where he is not. So I started speaking to them. So long story short, I get hold of this lady who runs the prison ministry. She's the director of everything. She hears that I am from South Africa. No one is interested in the program that I do. There's more paperwork, another person coming in, security clearance. We don't want to do this. So this lady who takes over because the previous director had passed away and gone to be with the Lord, she hears that I am from South Africa. Her daughter is married to a South African. That's the only reason that she said, okay, I want to talk to this guy. That's the only reason that the prison doors that we are going into now everywhere here in Virginia, state, federal, open up because someone heard that I'm from South Africa. So that was how the prison ministry started. I went in and they gave me a chance to go in and see if I liked it and if they liked it and everything worked out well, praise God. So people could start giving into Rhema interventions that there would be enough money every month so that we could stay here. So the prison ministry, everything is just God. But there were times, I'm telling you, where it's really, really, really difficult and hard, where things are not working, where things are just seemingly, man, surely it's got to be easier than this. And people don't always see that. So when we lift up the green cards, and, and those, these green cards, have we got 20,000 U.S. dollars, just under 20,000 from start to end. 
for the green cards. And God provided all the money through you. Because if God had said earlier on, okay, go and do this and your green cards will cost 20000 <laughs> in the natural, people are going to start working out naturally, in the natural, in the physical, real world that we live in. How are we going to save $20,000? It can't be done, but God did it. Just on that, the Holy Spirit wants me to share this before we finish. When we came here, we were loaded. We had so much money. We were so rich. I can't tell you. We had a, a stack of $100 bills. We had $6,000 US. We were rich. Man, we were loaded. Because 6000 US is equivalent of 180000 Taiwanese dollars. That's a lot of money in Taiwan. So when we got here, it's Christmas, my birthday, Christmas. So before you look, there's 5,000 because of Christmas presents and birthdays and all of that. So I'm watching TV one day, and it's amazing because you've got 24 hours, people preaching the gospel in America. That's wonderful. You can't turn on the television, and there's not a program preaching about Jesus Christ. So I'm listening to this one guy very intently, and he says, man, and the Lord says, if you give $1,000 now, and Holy Spirit says, give 1000 Okay, so now I've got to phone this, whoever this guy is in his ministry. How do I do that? Where We don't have checkbook. We don't have, can I just post $1,000 to you? Can I put it? No, don't do that. This is how you. So, any, so we gave $1,000. i am not bragging. I'm telling you what God did, how the system works. We got 5000 now. That guy says, if you give 1000 Holy Spirit says, so 1000 We got 4000 That year... February, we had a, a speaker here at our church, and he's also speaking, and he says, if you give a 1,000, Holy Spirit says, give a 1,000 to his ministry. 3,000. Got $3,000 left. Nathan's on the way. we far, you know, to go for the pregnancy and all of that. So I remember driving to pick up Chinese one night with, with Nicole, and she says, listen, I just want to ask you, I mean, how much money do you have? Are you, you know? I said, man, we got $3,000 cash. We good, we good. She says, listen, yeah, you realize just having a baby, the 3000 is gone. I'm like, really? In Taiwan, they give you money when you have a baby. They don't do that here? She's, no, that's not how it works here. So, okay, so how does it work here? She says, you go and you pay to have the baby. I'm like, okay. So long story short, I mean, we gave 2000 of the 5000 that we had. The green cards cost 20000 God provided that. So what I'm saying, once again, in the natural, when he speaks many, many times, it doesn't make sense in the natural. But if it doesn't make sense in the natural, it doesn't matter because you and I are spiritual beings. Yes. We live out of the spirit. So it's time to end. But two things here. Do not... Let sin and your past and your viewpoint of yourself through your natural physical eyes tell you who you are and what God can do. You have to look at yourself through the blood of Jesus, what he has done for you and what he says about you and what he calls you. That's the only way it's going to work. 
because he wants to do exceedingly abundantly beyond. He is able to do that. Even this morning, we, we, I heard someone saying, you have the mind of Christ. It's great to have the mind of Christ, but if you don't use it, it doesn't do you any good. So we have. If you have given your life to Jesus, you have the mind of Christ. But if you still want to walk in fear, if you still choose to walk in guilt, if you still choose to walk in shame, that's not the mind of Christ, and now the mind of Christ can't manifest through your life. So get rid of that mindset. Renew the mind to what he says about you. Because I am walking testimony of the grace of God that I should not. And there are a lot of people here. It's not just me. There are a lot of people that can testify about what God has done. But you have to see yourself the way Jesus sees you. And that is through perfect love. Before Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden, he already made the perfect path for you. Irregardless of how many years you didn't know him, didn't serve him, didn't believe in him, he never gives up. You may be here, there are a lot of people here for the first time. You're here today because he's chasing after you. He wants you to hear, don't live from your natural mind, live from your reborn pure crystal washed in the blood spirit he has a path and as impossible as it seems the dream that you have see Brett Favre said in his speech he said when I was 14 years old my daddy took me to a New Orleans Saints football game and he said there was a big commotion and everyone pointed to the tunnel and out came I don't know who the guy is this guy came running out and the whole stadium erupted And Brett Favre says, when I was 14 years old, sitting in that stand, I knew what I was called to do. He said, the hairs on my arms stood up. The hair on the back of my neck raised up. That was going to be me. I was going to run out of an NFL tunnel and people would go crazy. You see, you have something on the inside of you. There's a dream, there's a vision, there's a seed. There's something on the inside of you that you have already said, that's what I'm called to do. And as a 14-year-old boy, he messed up so much. He was in car wrecks. But God had placed something in that little 14-year-old boy that he did not let go. And many, many years later, he could testify about that dream that started when he was 14. Don't allow your natural mind to stop the dream that God has placed on the inside of you. Because you have been called to greatness. I'm not talking to your neighbor next to you. I'm not talking to the guy behind or in front of you. I'm speaking to you. You have been destined for greatness. You have been called and he calls you every single day by your name. He knows you. He knows your fears. He knows your doubts. He knows your ins and outs. He knows what you have done. It doesn't put him off. He doesn't care because he's taken care of that. He is your caretaker. Cast all of that on him. Don't look to the natural because we are spirit beings. And nothing shall be impossible for God. Go and ask a little 12, 13-year-old girl named Mary. 
And someone, angel, came and said, man, you're going to have a child. Hey, let it be done to me according to your word. So take that word that's on the inside of you right now, as impossible as it seems, as difficult as it may be, the time that you are walking through right now. I don't know if it's sickness or disease, not having money, not faith, not peace in the family, people fighting, just everything not making sense. But the word of God doesn't make sense, it makes faith. So God wanted you to hear today, if this is all you take away, is that you are called to greatness and he will move heaven and earth on your behalf if you can just believe that he loves you that much. He will move mountains for you. He will make crooked places straight. He will make rivers in the desert. Water where there is no water. Because that's what he has prepared for you. Let's stand up. Holy Spirit, we just come now and we just ask that you open as Paul prayed, open the eyes of our understanding that we would see, Lord, what is the hope of your calling for us. Not the calling that our mom or dad had, not the calling that our teachers had, not our peers, but the calling which you have. Open our eyes so that we may see that. Thank you that you speak to us and your words are spirit and life. Thank you that you called us here today so that we can choose whether we want to say yes to you or not. And we choose today to say, yes, Jesus, have your way. Holy Spirit, our hearts are yours. We open ourselves to you. We give you our minds so that we can walk with the mind of Christ. We are not going to walk in the natural because we are supernatural beings. So we just thank you for the cross. Thank you for the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. No matter what we have done in the past, you look beyond that. And you look into our hearts and say, I know who you are. I know what I have created you to do and that has never changed irregardless of your walk. Thank you for chasing after us, for never ever giving up. Thank you for your kindness and your mercy that every morning wakes us up. Whether it be by a baby that's screaming, whether it be by an alarm clock, whether it be by a truck just outside our window, you woke us up by grace to say today is another day that you can find that path that I have for you so we love you and we thank you for your goodness thank you Lord as your word says Lord that the sower sows the word we have received the word with gladness today and we choose to bring forth 30, 60 and 100 fold and we refuse for this seed to be stolen We will guard our hearts above all things because this seed is going to grow and come and sprout forth in our lives. And it's all available because of one thing, the love of Jesus, the love of our Father, the love of Holy Spirit. So thank you for your love. We receive it today. Just say, thank you for your love. Thank you that you love me. I am your favorite. I am the one. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your redemption. 
I receive you. We bless you and we thank you, Lord. We give you all the honor and all the praise. And everything that we ask and declare today, we do in the mighty name, the name above all other names. There's no other name that can come close to it in any area. The name of our precious Savior, Jesus. Amen.